So, uh, I'm going to refer to him as Pastor Ron, uh, even though he is no longer pastor of the Winnipeg Evangelical Free Church, which was our parent church. Uh, Ron is with us this morning as our district superintendent here of the Central District of the Evangelical Free Church of Canada. And if you're wondering how big a district that is and how busy Ron is, think about this. That's all the churches in Manitoba and Ontario. I know, some of you are like, wow, it's a lot. It is. He's a busy guy, but he is gracious uh, with us and desires to be here with us this morning. So he's got for me uh, a passage of Scripture that he would like me to read to you this morning, taken from the book of Ephesians. This is Paul speaking to the church of Ephesus, and all throughout the book of Ephesus, you see Paul highlighting what it means to be people who live as children of light. And so he's got some blessings in Christ that he wants to highlight this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, or of your Bible app, I'm going to ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to be reading verses uh, 1 to 20. Verses 1 to 20, and don't worry, it goes fast, they're short, it's okay. Verses 1 to 20, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 20, and when you are, I'll do this, this is the announcement, I always make you all know this. In the beginning of your Bible, there's a table of contents. If you don't know where the book of Ephesians is, people worked really hard to put it there, don't be ashamed to use it. And one of the ways we like to respect God's Word here at Pathways, we like to stand for the reading of His Word, so would you please stand with me? Here's what it says. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Christ Jesus, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glory and grace, which he freely gives us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ, to put, every, put, to put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In Him... We were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will, in order that we, who were, first, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked with Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Christ and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glories, sorry, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, 
and incomparably the great power for us who believe. The power is like, not, is like the working of His mighty strength, which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. I'm going to ask Ron to come up here, and I'm going to be praying for him as he speaks to us this morning. Lord God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for signposts. I thank you for these moments in life where we get to remember the goodness of you. And so, Lord God, as we remember you this morning, as we remember the faithfulness that you have showed us, Lord, we lean into that truth knowing that you've got incredible things in store for our future. I ask Jesus that you would be with Ron as he speaks this morning. Lord, give him the words to say. Uh, Lord, may our eyes and, and ears and hearts be open to whatever it is you have for us this morning. In your holy and precious name I pray. Amen. When this document was written, uh, I don't think it was exactly the 10th anniversary of the church at Ephesus, but if it was, it would be a very fitting document for today. Anniversaries are those times when you and I get to uh, sort of reflect on the past. Uh, faithful future, God taking us from where you have been, and as we've watched you for probably about 12 years, 11, 12 years, I think it is, when we got to know you a little earlier before that, God has been good to Pathway. Uh, as you see what God has done from your early beginnings, from the garage to the concert hall to here, uh, five, 600 people that God has blessed you with, good leadership, and we say that sincerely, uh, faithful leadership in the board, and a unified church. Those are great things for us to see as we witness God's working. Uh, you have been intentional, and I think as I, I followed your church from its beginnings, uh, there were documents that laid out step by step the process, the pathway, I guess we might say, uh, of where God is taking you to this day, and it's been good to see you build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. And may God grant you as pathway many more 10-year anniversaries like this under the leadership of your team and God's working within your hearts and lives. We're glad to partner with you, and on behalf of the Evangelical Free Church of Canada, we'd like to say congratulations, and thank you for partnering with us. In a few days, you're going to have uh, Alonzo Paul from Ravi Zacharias International, International Ministries, and he's going to join you, and he'll be also with us in Winnipeg and Steinbeck, an excellent time for people to come to know who Jesus Christ is and ask some of their hard questions. Just a quick word on what's happening in one or two other places. I know you're all Toronto Maple Leaf fans, so let me just transfer you over to Toronto for just a second. Oh, come on, there's Oilers on the west side too. Yeah. And, and I think there are the Jets, sorry. Um, we'll do leave that. In Toronto, we have an Iranian church, and in about the last 20 months, they've baptized approximately 86 people. And God has been doing some very interesting things. How he does that is works through a paralegal who's not a believer who sends immigrants to the church. The pastor says if we can get them for three to six months, we can see them come to know Jesus Christ. There is now another church starting in Newmarket. That one's in uh, Richmond Hill. And there's a possibility of an existing Iranian church joining us shortly. And so pray that God would expand his work even from your midst into other bodies. Anniversaries can be boring events. Uh, you've probably, do you know what a slide is? 
you know those projectors that you sort of did? And you look back and you see the people who had hairstyles a little while ago. You see the clothes, you see the cars, and all those kind of things of generations past. You see, an anniversary is a collective memory of going back and picking out those things that you want to carry forward with you. Rather than going through old photos this morning, we want to go through an old letter that was just read for us by your pastor, and you understand a little bit of what we want to keep from the past to take with us into the future. And so this writer here, as he records the things that were valuable in the past, he reminds you and me to consider that and to take a look at it ourselves. And so for a moment, resist the temptation to say, ah, oh, an anniversary, you know, is there going to be anything exciting? Yeah, it can be. And maybe it should leave us with this thought in mind if it would be this way. If the past has been good, can the future be gooder? You'll understand that I'm not an English major. As you look at that statement and try to understand, it's apparent that God is working within our hearts and within our lives. See, what we have today is a result of the past, where God has worked in our midst. And so as we look at the past and try to understand what's there, we always hear the stories of the good old days. And we hear many of those. What is that old stuff like? If the good old stuff was and is still good, then we want to understand it a little bit more from this passage of Scripture here today. The language is a little bit more churchy, but here's what we want to understand this morning. He's giving to us in verse 3 the big print of what it is that you and I need to keep in mind as he looks back of God's work within the church. Verse 3 puts it this way. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Praise. Enthusiastic recognition. Where you and I sort of, as it were, applaud or, or cheer God in our hearts for the things that He has done. It's a church word, and so we might use the word applause or or clapping today. Father and the Son are all intricate in this process. God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, this is the big print. So if we were to say that God has given us a gift, and here's the gift that He's given us, in bold print, God gives to us, and He says to us, I'm going to give you every spiritual blessing. It's a huge gift that God has given to His church so that we might understand what He is doing. And as God gives us this great blessing within our lives, we sort of look at it and say, we have been given, without exception, He says, every, everything that you and I need, God has provided for us in this process of walking together as a church family. Without exception, nothing is missing that God needs to put into your life and mine to bring us face-to-face -face with Jesus Christ in the future. Now, I don't know about you, but 
When you read a phrase like this, it's kind of disappointing. And you say, hmm, every, if it be every blessing, but he sticks in this word spiritual in the middle of it all. And you say, God, why won't you bless me with a new iPhone or, or a, a new 84-inch smart TV or $50,000 or something like that? Why does it always have to be spiritual blessings? Because I can't lay my hands on spiritual blessings. And God says, hang on just a second. Uh, in the heavenly realms, God, why don't you bring it down into earth where we're living? Then we could understand it a little bit more. And he says, don't tune me out completely yet. He says, I want you to understand the significance of what is happening in this process. Because you and I would look for and say, God, if we could, if we could put our hands on that, something tangible. Someone has put it this way. The best things in life aren't things. And as I come to the end of my life, as I know I'm coming into the last 15 possible years because of our family history, I'm starting to recognize in a new and a fresh way that the best things in life aren't things. We just had our 16-month-old granddaughter with us. She was my office assistant every morning at about 6.30. She'd get up, wake us up. She's down, in a, down by Atlanta, Georgia. What a thrill, even with the diapers. You see, the best things in life aren't going to be things. And as you and I begin to recognize the significance of what God is doing, he says, I want you to see that every one of these things that God has given to us is a special purpose. Every obstacle... Every deficiency that you and I encounter within my life, God's going to meet with His own provision, His God blessing. So there is nothing that's outside the parameters of the big print of the blessing that God has given to you and to me. Now, after verse 3, what follows is going to be the small print that He gives to us. And he gives to us the small print, and he says, you and I have been picked out by God. For us to understand what the great gift is like, um, we have to be able to pick it up and understand this, this, uh, the significance of God's work within our lives. So he says, when you look at this big gift, we're going to take a look at the small print. And he says, I want you to understand that you have been picked out by God. It says, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You get up in the morning, you choose the clothes you're going to wear. You go to the store, you pick out the vegetables you're going to buy. If you've ever had the experience of buying a car, you go to the car lot and you look through and there's hundreds, sometimes thousands off out in the lot, and you get to pick which one of those will be specifically your car. Well, God looks out over all humanity and He picks you out. He chooses you. And the writer, as he reflects on what God has done, he says, God picked you and me out to bring us into the family of God. And he said, hold it. Don't I have a free will? Can't I do what I want to do? Is God forcing me into this whole thing? You see, on your own, 
you and I never would have chosen God. We won't even have the ability to choose God. And so God is quite gracious in this whole process. God has a free will. And so God, out of the freedom of His will, goes out shopping for new cars. And He looks at the lot of humanity, all that is out there, and He looks and He looks at the cars and every one of them is dented, cracked windshields, torn seats, blown tires, And God looks at this whole car lot and says, boy, nothing is running well here. (laughs) Nothing is really the way it's supposed to be. Every model, every make, every vehicle is damaged, not functioning. It's substandard. It would never pass a safety. And God stands over the whole lot of humanity. And as He watches humanity and looks at it, this sovereign God of ours says, I'm going to do something. Now, what would you do if I invited you down to a car lot and said, um, take a look at these cars. They're all damaged. You can see how badly damaged they are. Would you pay full price for that vehicle? I know what you would say. Are you crazy? No, you wouldn't. That would be absolutely ridiculous. And that's why the writer says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's damaged goods all across the humanity, and God still picks you and me out. We're not functioning right. We're not operating right. And God says, I pick you. And that's why this writer goes on to talk about the uniqueness of God. Because he says, God exercised His free will. And if it's so tremendous that He did, because if He never would have done that, you and I would have never come to know Him because our heart is bent away from God. And that's why He comes to us and says, that's why this is so amazing. That's why you and I sing the songs we sang earlier today. The uniqueness of what God has done. Now, isn't it strange that this God who is perfect would do what is uncharacteristic of perfect people. Who wants to buy damaged goods and pay full price? And this perfect, holy God takes and chooses you and me who are wholly imperfect. And the writer says, praise. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He chose us, how? To be holy and blameless. And in a sense, that's just simply saying this. When God chose you and me, He chose us to be a godly normal. This is just normal for the way God wants things to be. Holy and blameless. When you buy a car that's defective and it's not running, you don't want to pay the price. You don't want it because it's unholy and it is blemished. You want a car that when you get in and turn the key, it goes zoom, zoom, right? That's what you and I want. And he says when God chose us, he chose us so that we would be those who are holy and blameless. He says that's just some of the small print. He says I want you to see more, he says, as I understand what God is doing in the process. He says I want you to see that you are going to be part of a unique family that God is building. And as God comes along, he takes you and me 
And he brings to us the royal treatment that you and I can have in the family of God. And so he says, when you see this big gift, the big print, you sort of sometimes get lost in it. But he says, I want you to see what happens in verse 4. In love. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Predestined. That's a a word that bothers us. Um, When you buy a ticket to go to Hawaii, um, you know the ticket says you're you're going to Hawaii. Um, It That destination is predetermined for you. When you get on the plane, you don't demand, as you get onto that plane, you don't demand that you're going to go to Sardo or Emerson. You see, that would get you in trouble. That's what we call hijacking, when you demand that you change the destination of the plane that you're on. Well, God says, when I predetermined or I predestined you, what I'm stating is that I picked you out not to be an employee, not to be second class, but I chose you to get royal family treatment. I adopted you into my family so that you would be treated the same way that I treat my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though I picked you out and you were damaged goods, I'm going to treat you as you are, as outstanding as my holy son. You see, he starts to bless us with every spiritual blessing. And he says, I know that you're not going to live this way all the time in the right way to the standards of the family. But he says, I still picked you out. You're still part of the family. And he puts in a little phrase there, in accordance with his pleasure and will. God doesn't do this grudgingly. God's heart is big as he reaches out to us. He goes on a little bit farther, and he says to us another thing here. He says cost is no issue for us as we walk along in this process. And so as we come in this process of him walking with us, let me get the right box. Here we are. He says, I want you to see that I work with you in this process, and I'm going to redeem you. And I'm going to take you, and I, through Christ, you will have redemption through his blood. Sin is the issue. We know that. You've heard that many, many times. And sin upsets God. Again, And it upsets you and me. If you were to buy a car and find out that it's a lemon, and then someone steals it, and they bring it back to the police station, and they say, you can buy it back if you want to have it again. Um, You see, sin is, is takes word that makes that lemon of all things, and then God has to buy us back on top of that, not with cash, but with with blood. And God says, I want you to understand that cost is not the issue in this process. I am so convinced that when I created you and I brought you into this world, that that was not a mistake, even though things have gone bad for some, for all. He says, I want you to understand that I am going to 
bring you back to God's normal, holy and blamelessness. I'm going to pay that repurchasing price, whatever it is. And I'm going to give you that redemption. I'll redeem the lemon that was there so that you may be brought into the family of God. And when God contemplates this, He doesn't say, oh man, how much is this going to cost me? He says, no, I'm going to do this on purpose. In accordance, it says, with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all And then notice the words, wisdom and understanding. So God knew that we would blow it, but he says, I'm with wisdom and understanding going to work with you, and I'm going to take you, and I'm going to redeem you so that cost, whatever it takes, is not going to be an issue for me in working with you. He goes on. There's a little bit more that he says for us in the process. He said, I want you to see that uh, with this whole thing, there is going to be a little bit more that's coming along, and I want you to understand that there is freedom in the process of what is going on with God working. And he says, in him, we have not only redemption, but he says, there is more. He says, there's forgiveness. You and I have forgiveness in Christ. The forgiveness of our sins. When you and I look at these walls, they've heard a lot about forgiveness, and that's a good thing. You see, sin is attempting to sell goods as if they were without a problem. Sin is the arrogance in relationship. It's the abuse of of trust. And God says, uh, as I work with you, I'm going to give you the freedom to move forward without the past hindering you. And so when people sin against us, we get ticked off fairly quickly. If someone hurts you or does something that's wrong, you know exactly what it's there. And I'm not sure that we're going to let them go free into the future too easily. God says, I'm going to work with you in a unique and special way so that you will have the forgiveness of sins so that the past can be handled and that you have the freedom to move forward. It was October 2nd, 2006. He was a milkman. You'll remember the story. His name was Charles Carl Roberts. And he walked into, inside the West Nickel Mine Amish School, a troubled man. He murdered, on that particular day, five girls of the Amish school and wounded six others. When the police came, he took his own life devastated a community. It was a dark day, not only for the community, but also for his wife, Marie Roberts. And what happened, if you'll remember the story at that time, it was the following Saturday that Marie Roberts was burying her husband who had murdered the kids. And there was a group of about 75 people gathered for the funeral service. Half of them came from that Amish community where he had murdered their kids. And they were part of that group that was expressing, we understand a little bit of your sorrow in the midst of the tragedy. We're going to give you the freedom 
to move forward. Even though it was your husband, Charles Roberts, that killed our daughters. A fireman chaplain who was there said this, it's, it's the love, the forgiveness, the heartfelt forgiveness they have toward the family. He says, I broke down and cried seeing it displayed. About Marie Roberts, she was absolutely, deeply moved by the love shown. Forgiveness. Knowing that though you've blown it, he's picked you out. He treats you and me as part of his royal family. He doesn't just kick us out when we blow it. He says, you know what? It's going to cost, not money, be the blood of my one and only perfect son. Never should have died, but I've counted the cost with wisdom and with understanding. And he says, when you blow it, he says, I'm going I'm to let you, um, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to let you move on. I'm going to let you understand that there's more so that we can take the unholiness and the blemishness of life, remove it, and you can walk forward in the freedom of God so that you can become God's normal once again and that we can understand him. One more detail he gives to us in this passage, and it comes down at about verse 13. And he says to us, I want you to understand, as you look at this, you say, if this is true, this is very significant, that God would do all these things for us and allow us to come to know him and keep us in his family, even though we blow it many times. He is the God who works within us and helps us through. And I'm going to just try to put this in here, however it's supposed to go. Whoa. I'm doing it wrong. I know why. No, I'm not. Here it goes. It's going to stay there. I can't got it wrong. You know what he says? I'm not going to go anywhere until I get the job done. Take a look at what he says in those verses, verse 13. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of of his glorious grace. He's here to see you and me to be holy and blameless completely. And God says, I'm investing in you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to take you. I'm going to personally give you my spirit to live within you so that you might never forget that you're picked out, that you're part of the royal family, that cost is no issue, that there's freedom to move forward. I'm going to stay with you and I want to convince you of that all the way through. See, God is into it all. All the way. As you and I try to understand this process of God working within our lives, we begin to wrestle with what's happening. Pathway, this is your 10th anniversary as a church family. May God give you many, many more. But I want you to see what we have begun with and, and where we're going. In your life, you're going to sit back and say, nobody cares. Oh, he says. One of the deficiencies you have in your life, you're going to feel lonely. But he says, I want you to see that God picked you out. You're going to come along and you're going to say, who wants me? And God's going to say, oh, you're part of my royal family. You are there. You are very special. 
Who's going to get me out of this mess? Who's going to pay for all the things that I've done wrong? God's going to say, cost is no issue. I've done things that I really regret. God says, I'm going to give you the freedom to move forward. And you're going to say, God, I don't have what it takes. Well, God says, I do. You may not, but I'm going to guarantee your completion. I'm going to bring you one day that you're going to be perfect like my son in my presence, and you can rejoice with me for all time. Now, if the past has been good, can the future be gooder? A biblical story. A town whose residents were made up of ducks. Every Sunday, the ducks waddled into their church, came down from their houses down Main Street into their church, and uh, sat in the sanctuary, squatted in their proper pews. The duck choir was there in their robes. And the duck minister came forward, and he opened up the duck Bible. I guess that's more truer than it is on that duck show, whatever it's called, by the Robertsons or whatever it is. And he reads this from the duck Bible. Ducks, God has given you wings. With wings you can fly. With wings you can mount up and soar like eagles. No walls can confine you. No fences can hold you. You have wings. God has given you wings and you can fly like birds. And all the ducks shout, no, no, no. They quack, amen. And then they waddle home. You see, you and I have every spiritual blessing in Christ. And God says, I want you to walk in this new way. How does it happen? And the writer says, let's pray. And you say, let's pray? (laughs) That's it? That's what you want us to do? And what the writer prays for the church at Ephesus we pray for you even today that God might use this so that you might get to the gooder part of the future that God still has in store for you. Praying for what? Why why would he say, "Let's, let's pray? Well, he's telling you and me this. Unless God intervenes, you're never going to get this. You will never understand what this is unless God intervenes in your life and in mine. And so he says, when we pray, what we're doing is we're admitting the fact that we don't have the ability to take every spiritual blessing and make it flesh it out into our lives as we walk along with him. And so he says, what I'm going to pray is that God would do his thing in your church, in our church, so that we might see this is God's way and he's going to be honored through it all. So what do we ask for? Well, he says, I want you to ask for divine smartness and recognition. Notice what he puts. I keep asking you that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. Now, we just talked about the Holy Spirit a few seconds ago. Understand that the Holy Spirit has a double PhD. One of those PhDs is in wisdom. He has the exceptional ability and the smarts to know how life fits together. He also has a degree in revelation. He takes the foggy things of life and he opens them up so that we would understand the big package, the bold print, and let the small print work its way into our lives. And both degrees are 
focused on one thing, that you and I may get to know God better. Because you and I have our thoughts about God, and he says, no, I don't want your thoughts about God. I want to exchange your thoughts about God with my word, with my God's thoughts in your mind. So that you, these thoughts of God would so penetrate your heart and mind, then you will get to know who God is in his glory and his goodness. He says, I want you to ask for another thing. I want you to ask for a craving for what has been offered. And he puts it this way, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order to the hope to which he has called you. When have, as a heart, had eyes? What he's telling you and me in this process is that God says, I want you to be able to understand with your mind and your inner being what this big print and small print is all about. That you would see that God does not want you to live a defective, defeated life. But in Christ, He gives to you and me these blessings so that we might be set free. The hope to which He has called you and me. And you and I sit back and say, oh, I've been praying for that all of my life since I've come to know Christ. And it's just not happening. And so He throws in His last request to show us that we don't need to pick up our Bibles and waddle home today. And he puts it this way. We ask for God to flex his muscles. His words are this. His incomparably great power for us who believe. You and I know that things just don't happen. There's cause, there's effect. Pathway became a reality because people prayed. And the sovereign God did things that you probably never dreamed or understood. But God worked in His way in this process. And God says, I will do the same for you. You see, it says, incomparably great power for us who believe. Pathway came from a prayer to a reality of 600 people. That's the power of God. And you say, how, do we, how does it happen? God does it His way. We can't always program it out. That's why He's asking us to understand the significance of this. He says, you know, there was a time when Jesus lay in a grave, and He was dead. There was no twitch. There was no movement. That body was stiff. And God the Father wasn't even worried, because in the third day, He came along with the, His power, raised His Son from the dead. God did it on purpose, and God does it on purpose today. This is no self-help program. This is not a political paid announcement. This is God's family. This is God's church. And only when it's done in God's way does it start to come together. Will God do it? Hmm. I think you can take a look at what he's been telling us and see that it's beyond our capacities to live this way. And so that's why he's given us, let's pray, because this is God's way of doing things. Who would have thought 10 years ago that today, on February 16th, 2020, there'd be five, 600 people gathered in this building under the name of Pathway? Who would have ever dreamt of that 10 years ago? That's highly unusual. There's a greater miracle. It's this that you're here today as one of those 600. That's because there's a sovereign God working. 
If the past has been good, can the future be gooder? The answer is obvious. God bless you. That was awesome. Thank you so much, Pastor Ron. And, uh, and I know that as you reflect on your own life, you can see where God has, has done amazing things in your life. And you, I can tell you, quite honestly, that He's not finished with you yet. That He who has begun a good work in, work in you will see it to completion. And that's an exciting thing. Uh, I want to remind everybody that uh, we do have a meal that we're having. It's the potluck. It's going to be fun. It's hopefully going to be loud and people are going to enjoy each other's time. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Uh, they're going to close us off with some songs and I think, uh, yeah, we're going to have a good time. But uh, let's pray for the end of our service here. Lord God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that you are the God who knows us from the beginning of all things. And I thank you, Jesus, that your love for us, your compassion for us, is measured by the cross. And I thank you, Jesus, that your power is measured by the resurrection. And so then we don't need to fear whether or not you love us because you demonstrated it. And we don't need to fear whether or not you're powerful enough to sustain us because you demonstrated it. So, Lord God, as we walk forward, as Pathway Community Church walks forward, as the individual believers in this congregation who are here this morning and who couldn't make it, as we walk forward, may we be to others as you have been to us. In your holy and precious name I pray. Amen.